Chapter 7 of The Little Colonel's Hero. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. The Little Colonel's Hero by Annie Fellows Johnston. Chapter 7 In Tour. A dozen times between Paris and Tours, the little colonel turned from the car window to smile at her mother and say with a wriggle of impatience, Oh, I can't wait to get there. Won't Betty and Eugenia be surprised to see us two whole days earlier than they expected? But you mustn't count too much on seeing them at the hotel the minute we arrive, her mother cautioned her. You know Cousin Carl wrote that they were making excursions every day to the old chateau near there, and I think it quite probable they will be away. So don't set your heart on seeing them before tomorrow night. Some of those trips take two days. Lloyd turned to the window again and tried to busy herself with the scenes flying past. The peasant women with handkerchiefs over their heads, and the men in blue cotton blouses and wooden shoes at work in the fields. The lime trees and the vineyards, the milk carts that dogs helped to draw, it was all as Joyce had described it to her, and she pinched herself to make sure that she was awake, and actually in France, speeding along toward the gate of the giant scissors, and all the delightful foreign experience that Joyce had talked about. She had dreamt many daydreams about this journey, but the thought that was giving her most pleasure now was not that these dreams were at last coming true, but that in a very short time she would be face to face with Betty and Eugenia. It was noon when they reached Tours, and went rattling up to the Hotel Bordeaux in the big omnibus. At first Lloyd was disposed to find fault with the quaint old-fashioned hotel which cousin Carl had chosen as their meeting-place. It had no conveniences like the modern ones to which she had been accustomed. There was not even an elevator in it. She looked in dismay at the steep spiral stairway, winding around and around in the end of the hall, like the steps in the tower of a lighthouse. On a side-table in the hall, several long rows of candles with snuffers suggested the kind of light they would have in their bedrooms. But everything was spotlessly clean, and the landlady and her daughter came out to meet them with an air of giving them a welcome home, which extended even to the dog. After their hospitable reception of Hero, Lloyd had no more faults to find. She knew that at no modern hotel would he have been treated so considerately and given the liberty of the house. Since he was not banished to the courtyard or turned over to a porter's care, she was willing to climb a dozen spiral stairways, or grope her way through the semi-darkness of a candle-lighted bedroom every night while they were in France, for the sake of having Hero free to come and go as he pleased. "'Come on!' she cried gaily to her mother, as a porter with a trunk on his shoulder led the way up the spiral stairs. It makes me think of the old song you used to sing me about the spider and the fly. The way into my parlour is up a winding stair. 
nobody but a circus acrobat could run up the whole flight without getting dizzy it's a good thing we're only going to the next floor she ran around several circles of steps and then paused to look back at her mother who was waiting for mr sherman's helping arm the elephant now goes round and round when the band begins to play quoted lloyd looking down on them her face dimpling with laughter look out piped a shrill voice far above her i'm coming lloyd gave a hasty glance upward to the top floor and drew back against the wall for down the banister with the speed of a runaway engine came sliding a small bare-legged boy around and around the dizzy spiral he went hugging the railing closely and bringing up with a tremendous bump against the newel post at the bottom hello he said coolly looking up at the little colonel it's henny she exclaimed in amazement henderson Satherwhite, of all people how did you get here but the boy had no time to waste in talking he stuck his thumb in his mouth looked at her an instant and then climbing down from the banister started to the top of the stairs as fast as his short legs could carry him for another downward spin lloyd waited for her mother to come up to the step on which she stood and then said with a look of concern do you suppose they're all here fido and all of them and that howl will follow me around as it did on shipboard begging for stories it will spoil all my fun with the girls if he does never trouble trouble till trouble troubles you said her father playfully pinching her cheek you'll find it easier to escape persecution on land than on shipboard henny didn't seem at all anxious to renew his acquaintance with you he evidently finds sliding down banisters more to his taste maybe howell has found something equally interesting i certainly hope so said lloyd running on to their rooms at the end of the hall the casement window in her room looked out over a broad boulevard down the middle of which went a double row of trees shading a strip of grass where benches were set at intervals lloyd leaned out to look and listen a company of soldiers was marching up the street in the gay red and blue of their french uniforms to the music of a band a group of girls from a convent school passed by then some nuns she stood there a long time finding the panorama that passed her window so interesting that she forgot how time was passing until her mother called to her that they were going down to lunch i like it here ever so much she announced as she followed her father and mother into the dining-room did you ask in the office papa jack when the girls would be back yes they have gone to amboise they will be home before dark i'm sorry you've missed taking a, a trip with them lloyd it is one of the most interesting chateaus around here in my opinion mary queen of scots went there a bride there she was forced to watch the huguenots being thrown over into the river leonardo da vinci is buried there and charles the eighth was killed there by bumping his head against a low doorway oh dear sighed the little colonel my head is all in a tangle 
there's so many spots to remember every time you turn around you bump into something you ought to remember because some great man was born there or died there or did something wonderful there it would be lots easier for travellers in europe if there wasn't so many monuments to smart people who must i remember in tour balzac said her father laughing the great french novelist but that will not be hard there is a statue of him on one of the principal streets and after you have passed him every day for a week you will think of him as an old acquaintance then this is the scene of one of scott's novels quintin durward and the good saint martin lived here there is a church to his memory he is the patron saint of the place at the chateau you will get into a tangle of history for their chief interest is their associations with the old court life where is hero asked mrs sherman suddenly changing the conversation he's in the parlor stretched out on a rug answered lloyd it's cool and quiet in there with the blinds down the landlady's daughter said no one went in there often in the middle of the day so nobody would disturb him and he'd not disturb anybody he's all tied out coming so far on the cars may i go walk in with him after a while mother mrs sherman looked at her husband questioningly oh it's perfectly safe he answered she could go alone here as well as in lloydsborough valley and with hero she could have nothing to fear i want you to rest a while first said mrs sherman at four o'clock you may go leaving hero comfortably stretched out asleep in the parlor lloyd went back to her room she lay down for a few minutes across the bed and closed her eyes but she could not sleep with so many interesting sights in the street below presently she tiptoed to the window and sat looking out until she heard her mother moving around in the next room she knew then that she had had her nap and was unpacking the trunks mother called lloyd i want to put on my prettiest white embroidered dress and my rosebud sash because i'll meet cousin carl and the girls to-night that is just what i have unpacked for you said her mother come in and i'll help you dress half an hour later it was a very fresh and dainty picture that smiled back at lloyd from the mirror of her dressing-table she shook out her crisp white skirts gave the rosebud sash an admiring pat and turned her head for another view of the big leghorn hat with its stylish rosettes of white chiffon then she started down the hall toward the spiral stairway it was a narrow hall with several cross passages and at one of them she paused wondering if it did not lead to eugenia's and betty's rooms to her speechless surprise a door popped open and a cupful of water was dashed full in her face spluttering and angry she drew back in time to avoid another cupful which came flying through the transom above the same door retreating still farther down the passage and wiping her face as she went she kept her gaze on the door walking backward in order to do so another cupful came splashing out into the hall through the transom a boy tiptoeing up to the door dodged back so quickly that not a drop touched him then with a long squirt gun that he carried 
he knelt before the keyhole and sent a stream of water squirting through it it was howell there was a scream from the bedroom fidelia's voice stop that you hateful boy i'll tell mamma you've nearly put my eye out a muffled jiggle and a scamper of feet down the hall was the only answer fidelia threw open the door and looked out a water pitcher in her hand she stopped in amazement at sight of the little colonel who was waiting for a chance to dodge down the hall past the dangerous door into the main passage for mercy's sakes exclaimed fidelia when did you come in time for your water fight answered the indignant little colonel shaking out her wet handkerchief she was thoroughly provoked for the front of her fresh white dress was drenched and the dainty rosebud sash streaked with water fidelia laughed you don't mean to say that you caught the ducking i meant for howl she exclaimed well if that isn't a joke it's the funniest thing i've ever heard of putting the pitcher on the floor and clasping her hands to her sides she laughed until she had to lean against the wall it's more bad manners than a joke retorted lloyd angered more by the laugh than she had been by the wetting a girl as old as you oughtn't to go travelling till you know how to behave yourself in a hotel i don't wonder that wherever you go people say oh those dreadful american children it isn't so they don't say it snapped fidelia i've got just as good manners as you have anyhow and i'll throw this whole pitcher of water on you if you say another word she caught it up threateningly you just dare cried the little colonel her eyes flashing and her cheeks flushing not for years had she been so angry she wanted to scream and pull fidelia's hair with savage fingers she wanted to bump her head against the wall again and again but with an effort so great that it made her tremble she controlled herself and stood looking steadily at fidelia without a word i mustn't speak she kept saying desperately to herself i mustn't speak or my temper will get away with me i might claw her eyes out i wish i could oh i wish i could her teeth were set tightly together and her hands were clenched fidelia met her angry gaze unflinchingly for an instant and then with a contemptuous pooh raised the pitcher and gave it a lurch forward it was so heavy that it turned in her hands and instead of drenching lloyd its contents deluged fanchette who suddenly came out of the door beside lloyd with the thousand-dollar poodle in her arms poor beauty gave an injured yelp and fidelia drew back and slammed the door locking it hastily she knew that the maid would hurry to her mistress while he was still shivering and that there would be an uncomfortable account to settle by and by howell who had crept up to watch the fuss doubled himself with laughter it amused him even more than it had fidelia that he had escaped the water and lloyd had caught it in his stead lloyd swept past him without a word and ran to her mother's room so angry that she could not keep the tears back while telling her grievance see what that horrid sutherwhite girl has done 
she cried holding out her limp wet skirts and streaked sash with an expression of disgust i just despise her it was an accident was it not asked mrs sherman oh she didn't know she was throwing the water on me when she pitched it out but she was glad that it happened to hit me she didn't even say excuse me let alone say that she was sorry and she laughed and held on to her sides and laughed again and said oh what a joke and that it was the funniest thing that she ever saw i think her mother ought to know what bad manners she's got somebody ought to tell her i told fidelia what i thought of her and i'll never speak to her again so there mrs sherman listened sympathetically to her tale of woe but as she unbuttoned the wet dress and lloyd still stormed on she sighed as if to herself poor fidelia why mother said lloyd in an aggrieved tone i didn't suppose that you'd take her part against me stop and think a minute little daughter said mrs sherman opening her trunk to take out another white dress lloyd was working herself up into a white heat put yourself in fidelia's place and think how she has always been left to the care of servants or of a governess who neglected her think how much help you have had in trying to control your temper and how little you have had to provoke it suppose you had howell and henderson always tagging after you to tease and annoy you and that i had always been too busy with my own affairs to take any interest in you except to punish you when i was exasperated by the tales that you told of each other wouldn't that have made a difference in your manners Y yes acknowledged lloyd slowly then after a moment's silence she broke out again i might have forgiven her if only she hadn't laughed at me whenever i think of that i want to shake her if i live to be a hundred years old i can never think of fidelia satherwhite without remembering the mean little way she laughed what kind of a memory are you leaving behind you suggested mrs sherman touching the little ring on lloyd's finger that had been her talisman since the house-party will it be a road of the loving heart lloyd hesitated no she acknowledged frankly of oh, course when i stop to think i do want to leave that kind of memory for everybody i'd hate to think that when i died there'd be even one person who had cause to say ugly things about me even fidelia but just now mother honestly when i remember how she laughed i feel that i must be as mean to her as she is to me i can't help it mrs sherman made no answer but turned to her own dressing and presently lloyd kissed her and went slowly downstairs to find hero he was no longer dreaming in peace two restless boys cooped up in the narrow limits of the hotel and burning with a desire to be amused had discovered him through the crack of the door and immediately pounced upon him oh ain't he nice exclaimed henny stroking the shaggy back with a dirty little hand howell felt in his blouse hoping to find some crumb left of the stock of provisions stored away at lunch-time feel here henny 
he commanded backing up to his little brother and humping his shoulders ain't that a cookie slipped around to the back of my blouse put your hand up and feel henny obligingly explored the back of his brother's blouse and fished out the last cookie which they fed to hero wished we had some more said howell as the cake disappeared henny you go up and see if you can't hook some of beauty's biscuit no i don't want to i want to play with the dog answered henny he's big enough to ride on stand up old fellow and let me get on your back i'll tell you a scheme cried howell you run upstairs and get one of mamma's shawl straps and we'll fix a harness for him and make him ride us round the room all right agreed henny trotting out into the hall at the door he met lloyd when she went into the room she found howell lying on the floor burrowing his head into the dog's side for a pillow hero did not like it and shaking himself free walked across the room and lay down in another place howell promptly followed and pillowed his head on him again hero looked around with an appealing expression in his big patient eyes once more got up crossed the room and lay down in a corner howell followed him like a teasing mosquito don't bother him howell said lloyd don't you see that he doesn't like it but he makes such a nice soft pillow said the boy once more burrowing his hard little head into hero's ribs he might snap at you if you tease him too much i never saw him do it to anyone but nobody has ever teased him since he belonged to me is he your dog asked howell in surprise yes answered lloyd proudly he saved my life one time and his master's another and that medal on his collar was one that was given by france to his master for bravery and the major gave it to him because he said that hero had twice earned the right to wear it tell about it demanded howell scenting a story how did he his question was stopped in the middle by hero who determined to be no longer used as a pillow stood up and gave himself a mighty shake walking over to the sofa piled with cushions he took one in his mouth and carrying it back to howell dropped it at his feet as if to say there use that i'm no sofa pillow that done he stretched himself out again in the farthest corner of the room and laid his head on his paws with a sigh of relief oh oh cried the little colonel did you ever see anything so smart as that in all your life it's the brightest thing i ever saw a dog do he thought it all out just like a person i wish papa jack could have seen him do it i'm going to treat you to something nice for that hero wait till i run back upstairs and get my purse anxious to make him do something else interesting howell still followed the dog he tickled his paws turned his ears back and blew in them and blindfolded him with a dirty handkerchief lloyd was gone longer than she intended for she could not find her purse for several minutes and she stopped to tell her mother of hero's performance with the sofa pillow when she went into the parlor again both boys were kneeling beside the dog their backs were toward the door henderson had brought the shawl strap and they were using it for the further discomfort of the patient old st bernard here henny you sit on his head commanded howell 
and i'll buckle his hind feet to his forefeet so that when he tries to walk he'll wobble around and tip over won't that be funny stop demanded lloyd don't you do that howl satterwhite i've told you enough times to stop teasing my dog howl only jiggled in reply and drew the buckle tighter there was a quick yelp of pain and hero trying to pull away found himself fast by the foot before howl could rise from his knees the little colonel had darted across the room and seizing him by the shoulders shook him till his teeth chattered there she said giving him a final shake as she pushed him away don't you ever lay a finger on that dog again as long as you live if you do you'll be sorry i'll do something awful to you for the second time that afternoon her face was white with anger her eyes flashed so threateningly that howl backed up against the wall thoroughly frightened releasing hero from the strap she led him out of the room and with her hand laid protectingly on his collar marched him out into the street those tormenting satter whites she grumbled under her breath i wish they were all shut up in jail every one of them but her anger died out as she walked on in the bright sunshine watching the strange scenes around her with eager eyes more than one head turned admiringly as the daintily dressed little girl and the great saint bernard passed slowly down the broad boulevard it seemed as if all the nurses and babies in touraine were out for an airing on the grass where the benches stood between the long double rows of trees once lloyd stopped to peep through a doorway set in a high stone wall within the enclosure a group of girls in the dark uniforms of a charity school walked sedately around arm in arm under the watchful eyes of the attendant nuns then some soldiers passed on foot and a little while after some more dashed by on horseback and she remembered that tour was the headquarters of the ninth army corps and that she might expect to meet them often not till the tolling of the great cathedral bell reminded her that it was time to go back to the hotel did she think again of howl and kenny and fidelia by that time her walk had put her into such a pleasant frame of mind that she could think of them without annoyance end of chapter 7 read by lars rolander